Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese. I'm back once again with our host, Matt Page. And we have a very special guest this evening. We have from Prospect Insider, Luke Arkins. How are you doing, Luke? Great. It's great to be here, Abraham. Excellent, excellent. We got a lot of great questions for you tonight. And uh, we got, we're doing some, something a little different. Matt's the baseball expert. So we're going to have him host the show. Uh, and I think we made a pledge this uh, this pre-show to try to reduce the amount of eye rolls that I do in one show. Um, so yeah, audio I'm already surprised. <laughs> you, you, you didn't call me the dirty duck, and and uh, you know, yeah, you, you called me an expert. That must have hurt. That must uh, have really hurt you. Yeah, you know, uh, lying. You know, lying does. You know, it's not a good thing, kids. Don't don't go out there and do it. But sometimes you need to do it to you know uh, to help out a buddy, a pal. That's one Matt Page. <laughs> so, Luke, uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, we're happy to have you here on the on the show. Always, always fun to pick the brain of a of a fellow passionate baseball uh, fan, especially you know someone who writes about the Mariners. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. We want to start off first of all. You know, you, you, you write for prospectinsider.com um, and and uh, work with Jason Churchill, who we who we uh, we interviewed earlier this summer. Um, How did you get started there, really? Well, uh, I was getting ready to retire from the Navy and uh, I was looking for something to do to take up my time. And I saw that Jason had tweeted out that he was uh, looking for writers at the time, I had a few months left in the Navy, and I reached out to him and said, hey, I can't do it right now. Too busy, but uh, I would love to consider doing it in the future. And then uh, in late 2014, we hooked up, and uh, I've been writing there ever since. And you, uh, you, so you, you're, from, you're from New York originally, right? So okay. you're, you were a Mets fan growing up, right? That is correct. Have you totally converted to Mariner ways, or do you still keep an eye on the Mets? Or no, I watch a lot of Mets. I watch a lot of Mets, but uh, the Mariners, uh, they rule the roost in our house. My wife is a lifelong Mariners fan, so uh, if there's a conflict with the television, it's going to go to the Mariners. But uh, I, tend to, I tend to watch most of the Mets games when, they, when it doesn't affect, uh, you know, like set the calendar or anything like that. That's great to hear because – on this very show, we had Danny O'Neill. Uh, was it last week, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. And we had to ask questions about the Mets because Solak and I, Brian, the soul man Solak, and I got into an argument, uh, altercation, uh, you know, just digital fisticuffs over the Mets. I am of the opinion that the Mets have recently made some very good moves. Soul man, Brian Solak, not so much. He doesn't believe in... He doesn't believe in the players that they're bringing in. I, I'm happy to get a Mets fan on here because we need to settle the argument. Were uh, these yeah. moves good or not? Well, I don't think they really hurt the Mets. I mean, the, you know, uh, they, they signed a couple of uh, role players, really, uh, kind of like depth guys uh, with names. And, of course, they signed Max Scherzer, which, of course, is the big, the big fish. Uh, it certainly helps them. They're a long way from being a contender in my mind. They, they still lack pitching. And there's a, for some reason, there's just this uh, belief that uh, Jacob DeGrom was going to be good to go on opening day when he barely pitched after the All-Star break. 
So that to me, they still need more pitching. And if DeGrom is not ready, Scherzer just basically replaces DeGrom and they're still shorthanded on the pitching staff. As far as the lineup, they have a lot of good players. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Robinson Cano. That should be a fun little circus come the spring, assuming there's action. Uh, I, get, I don't know uh, if he's going to be okay with being a DH. He, he didn't want to do all that kind of stuff with the Mariners. He really didn't like the idea of moving the first base. So we'll see. We'll where see. does that where does that come from? Is that a is that a matter of you can make more of a splash uh, if you are a star second baseman? I mean, I remember the old Alfonso Soriano moving to center field. He was against it. He hated it, and the rumor was it was because you can either be the best second baseman or just another outfielder, or in Cano's case, just another first baseman. Is there something to that? There's probably pride. He's a second baseman. He probably wants to remain a second baseman. I, you know, I think it's like when you hear Carlos Correa talk about wanting to stay a shortstop. They just want to be a shortstop. Derek Jeter stayed a shortstop his whole career. That, you know, to me was sort of a mistake. Yeah. Uh, by the end, I mean, he had no range, and uh, but you know, he still looked good out there. And uh, you know, the balls that he reached, he caught. He just didn't catch. He didn't reach all of them. But uh, yeah, I think there's probably just a pride. I think I can understand that. I can understand like, hey, you've done something your whole life and this is what you want to be defined as and you don't want to be defined as a guy that moved around the bases. Yeah, I was going to say the Jeter specifically is probably uh, influenced on him because, you know, he played with Jeter for so many years there. And and I agree with you. They uh, he, you, you probably should have moved Jeter to third and, and, and had A-Rod, as much as I hate him, was a far better glove at short at that stage in his career than Jeter. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, A-Rod was a better better player at that point. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay. So so you're, you're, pro, you're positive there as far as their, their moves with the Mets. Uh, so you stand with Abraham, I guess. Well, yeah, it sounds more like Luke – you're kind of in the middle, like kind of mediocre. The Scherzer, the Scherzer is a great pick, but they lost too much pitching to. Yeah, they didn't have enough pitching to get through the season, and that you know, uh, and that's that's what every team lacks. Right. You know, even the Dodgers. Look at the Dodgers when they started last season. It seemed like they had way too much pitching. Right? They had uh, David Price in the bullpen, and then look, lo and behold, you know, by the end of the season, uh, they're they don't have enough pitching to get through the playoffs. It's so, a cr- uh, it's a, it's and- a crying shame, Matt. Uh, he just can't buy championships like he used to. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a not so closeted, uh, Dodger fan. Uh, I'm a Mariners fan first and foremost, but I'm also a Dodger fan. And, uh, I was just going to mention, uh, you mentioned Scherzer being brought in and DeGrom's health Scherzer as a Dodger fan. I watched him, Towards the end of the, I mean, in the playoffs, he had nothing left. He just, I mean, he started to run out of gas. And so, you know, my concern for the Mets would be, you know, you're adding this guy to take over DeGrom, but you're going to run his arm out, you know, halfway through the year. He he just, he did, he looked tired. He looked really tired in the playoffs. And uh, I just, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have signed him to the deal that the Mets did. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it, the, the good thing is, uh, and I talk to my brother about the Mets all the time, is that at least it's a short deal. You know, it's it's a yeah. lot of money. You know, it's three years. It's not it's not like ten or seven or eight um, or even five. Um, 
Yeah, it, that, that's certainly a concern. But I think there's a, there were a lot of pitchers, I think, who were showing their wear and tear uh, by the end of the season. When you think about how few innings everybody threw, I mean, when you look at it, Chris Flexen threw more innings than anybody in the major leagues last year in 2020 because he pitched in um, in uh, uh, Korea and he pitched uh, he pitched like 116 innings. I think the most anybody pitched in the majors was Lance Lynn. I know it was Lance Lynn. I can't remember the number. It was in the eighties though. You know, think about that, you know, and you had guys blowing over 150 innings this year. That's just such a, a huge number after, you know, a significantly known low, low number the year before. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> you recently put up, you know, we, we should, we should move this towards the Mariners, of course. But so you recently wrote, uh, actually it was published today, um, an excellent article on uh, assessing Trevor Story's fit or reassessing, sorry, Trevor Story's fit with the Mariners, um, where you go over, you know, your, your thoughts about Trevor Story. If you want to uh, give us a, a breakdown uh, and, and uh, clue readers in on it. Yeah, I, you know, about a month ago, I wrote a piece uh, about infielders, you know, candidates, free agent candidates to, to help the Mariners. And he was one of them. And at the time, I, I you know, I noted that uh, his, uh, his home and away splits at Coors Field concerned me a bit. Uh, and so, but since we're in a lockout, I figured, hey, let me go back and look at some of these these free agents, maybe reassess, maybe uh, write some more about them. And, and when I looked at the story, you know, um, when I was doing my research, I remember I had seen a piece by Mike Petriello of uh, MLB.com from earlier this year when he discussed the fact that, uh, you know, Nolan Arenado going to the Cardinals, that it's not as big a deal as, as some people think as far as the home and away thing, because something I didn't realize is that, you know, players, when they play in Colorado, they have a hard time um, going on the road, that their road numbers suffer for it. As much as their, their home numbers explode, they struggle uh, to, um, you know, uh, adjust to that. Um, And it's, and um, he listed several players in his piece. And then I did something similar where I listed, I think about five or six players, notable players who, when they were on the road um, with the, with the, the Rockies, the final two years, you know, they had a certain set of numbers, but then the, the two years afterwards, they were much better. And so there's reason to believe that story would enjoy the same success that his numbers would improve, which, you know, his numbers really aren't that bad on the road. They're, they're about average. So if he's better than average on the road as a, a Mariner or whatever team he ends up with, that's, that's a good thing. Um, you know, there are some concerns with his arm. He, uh, he had an elbow injury this year. Uh, he had to go to the IL. He had the, the similar issue in 2018. Um, but, you know, the belief is the Mariners would move him to second base if uh, they did sign him, partially for that uh, reason, but also – to uh, to let J.P. Crawford remain at, at shortstop. So overall, I would I assess them as a guy who could help the Mariners. Maybe his on-base ability would uh, degrade a bit as he aged, got into his 30s, but his pop should remain kind of like Kyle Seeger, kind of like Mitch Hanniger. 
And so I saw him as a positive, uh, certainly a, 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 an alternative to help the Mariners uh, if they need to add a guy to their lineup, which they most certainly do. So, Luke, what would you do with uh, Abraham Toro? Um, depends, I guess. It depends if they get a, if they get an infielder or not. Uh, today, he would be the third baseman for me. Um, if uh, if they were to uh, the Mariners were to get a third baseman or get a second baseman and move, uh, uh, you know, they could do one of two things. They could either uh, use Adam Frazier in a utility role, or they could, uh, you know, maybe also put uh, uh, Toro with third base. I mean, what little Toro has played in the majors, his defense rates pretty well, uh, better than second base for sure. But um, I don't think he's ever going to have much pop in his bat. I may be wrong about that. Maybe Jason sees it differently. But when you look at his numbers, you know, like he's an on-base guy. He's like a, he's a bat-the-ball guy, just like J.P. Crawford, just like Adam Frazier. So now, you know, where is the pop going to come from? Um, so uh, I'm just I, I I'm suggest just... he's going to be a utility guy. It's okay. a long answer, but that's probably where he ends up, you know. Yeah, I'm just fascinated because he did show some offensive capability. Wondering why we're in such a darn hurry to replace him, though. Uh, like, I'm not against the Adam Frazier pickup. I think that's a great idea. It just kind of, I raised an eyebrow thinking, huh, well, we're trying to push Toro out, apparently. Well, he may just be a role player. I mean, at the end of the day, they, were, they traded a relief pitcher that was going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and they added a bat uh, with some versatility in the field who uh, who could help them in, in the short term uh, and also gives them depth in the long term. If they can't land a guy, he's probably your opening day third baseman, you know, if they don't add somebody else. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where this all goes. I mean, if they could get Chris Bryant, I'm, you know, it's, you know, I'd rather have him at third base than, uh, than Abraham Toro. But, you know, players get hurt. It's good to have guys on the bench or, or in uh, AAA who can uh, come up and fill roles for you too. Kind of like what the Mets did by stunning those guys. <laughs> uh, so I have to admit, um, when I think about Trevor Story coming to the Mariners, there's a there's a, there's a back part of my brain that has a red light that starts blinking, and that red light has a name next to it. Is it Roxanne? That, that name is Jeff Cirillo. Oh darn! I thought it was going to oh, be Roxanne. I, I you thought it'd be who? Roxanne? No. You don't have to uh, turn on the red light. No. Okay, now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but no, uh, the Jeff Cirillo light in the back of my head starts mm. blinking. You know, an infielder from an infielder from Colorado who completely lost any, you know, sense of ability to, to hit whatsoever. His glove was still amazing. And, you know, adding, adding Trevor Story glove-wise up the middle or at third, wherever we put him, would be a plus but how can you reassure me that that he's not going to pull a Jeff Cirillo I guess is the question well I I, uh, I know I saw this conversation on Twitter somebody was having this about a week ago and I and uh, I looked at Cirillo's numbers at the time and I'll be honest with you I don't remember them now I know he was a good player before he was with the Mariners uh, and but he was a bit older wasn't he Oh, when he came he to the Mariners? In his, in his 30s? Yeah, he was. He, got, he was, yeah. Yeah, so he was, was like sort of a little bit maybe? further on in his career, right? And he had been a good player 
before he was in Colorado. Isn't that true? He, with Milwaukee, yes, and then yeah. he, after he left us, he had a good season too. That was the that was the part that really messed with my head. Where, 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 can you refresh me where that was? I'm Mi- to Milwaukee. That was. He was at Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee. Then Colorado. Yeah, Milwaukee. He went to Milwaukee and he was decent again. It was it was the strangest thing. Um, Maybe it's the beer. He joined us in 2002. Yeah, but I mean, wasn't that a case of bringing a right-handed power guy into into Safeco before they moved the win- the, the the fences back? Possibly, yeah, but his but yeah. his his average dropped to two hundred. I mean, he wasn't making consistent contact anymore. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I feel more comfortable about uh, Trevor's story as much as we 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 measure so many things now as far as hard hit rate and the exit velocity launch angle you know the sweet spot percentage like you go on and on all the metrics that we have at our disposal now it's much easier to know what a what is going right and what is going wrong as much as abraham might roll his eyes at hearing that (laughs) uh, abraham toro would not roll his eyes (laughs) (laughs) i might but not abraham toro Just remember, um, sabermetrics just all it's they're just tools. These all these metrics are tools. It's your your wrath is probably more directed at the people who use the tools than the actual tools themselves. I that is true for that. That yes. is true. I, it's uh, directed at nerds in their mother's basements. We have yeah, we have we have uh many many text threads conversations where uh if you mention the word war or war, whatever. Uh, it, 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 it brings on just like an absolute attack, just well, like out of reflex. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. A Pavlovian response. <laughs> um, anyway, next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next question. Let's not devolve into um, this. <laughs> so <clears throat> baseball is on lockdown. What do you, what are your thoughts on lockdown? How do you long do you think it's going to last? That's what everyone's asking. I'm curious on what you think. Well, the smart people think it's going to end sometime in February because nobody wants to lose money. Um, That's possible. That certainly makes a lot of sense. But, you know, when you look back at uh, 2020, when, you know, the country was in this pandemic and things were really rotten for a while, and these two sides couldn't agree (coughs) on anything for quite some time until they finally hammered out a deal what seemed at the 11th hour at either do a season or don't Um, this time around, there's more at stake and it's a longer term commitment. And, and there's some real anger on both sides. So yeah, it makes sense that that it would end in sometime in February, but honestly, you know, it, it's not inconceivable that it couldn't run into the spring. Taking out what the owners or Scott Boris might be yakking about, what, what, what are the key points that actually matter in this bargaining? I think some of it has to, you know, the keys keys for the players are, you know, they, they say competitive balance. What they're talking about is that the teams spend money that all the teams are spending money, not just the bigger fish and that, um, although there are this, you know, this group of uh, big market teams or 
or teams, you know, I don't know if they're all big market teams, mostly big market teams that, that spend a lot of money, they all, they tend to not go over the, uh, the luxury th- tax threshold. So essentially you have a salary cap. It's not, it's not quite, you know, some teams go over the Mets of currently are over it. And I forget the other, was it the Dodgers, Dodgers or one of those, maybe the Padres went over it, um, this year. Um, but the, I think from the player's standpoint, they see all these teams at the bottom that don't spend the money they're, uh, like the revenue they're getting from revenue sharing. They don't put it back into their payrolls. They, they put it in their pockets. And I think that's the a primary concern for the, uh, for the players is, you know, you know, th- nobody wants, they don't want to get rid of ar- arbitration. They certainly don't want to get rid of free agency. They, I think they do want to have players reach free agency sooner. Yeah. Um, whether that is something the owners will uh, entertain, I'm not sure. Um, I can see both sides of that particular argument. Uh, but uh, from the owner's standpoint, you know, they want to keep as much money in their pockets as they can. I mean, that's what they do, right? That's their businessmen and women. They make money. Um, if, the, so, if, if the owners would have to implement a salary floor, what would they expect? I mean, again, you know, not, not these pie in the sky, red herring things, but I mean, like, what would they expect to get in return? Like, is there I'm something? Sure, you know, I, you know, perhaps, uh, probably a, a higher uh, penalties for going over the threshold. While in, instead, they, they it would the players would probably prefer a lower, because again, the, the, the more stiff the penalty, the more likely teams won't go over it. So it, it really does turn into a salary cap at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. If nobody goes over it. It is a salary cap, um, so I don't know about that. That's that's it. You know, sometimes it's hard to feel sympathetic for either side. You know, <laughs> honestly, uh, you know, I mean, we talk about the players, and it's I think it's easy for you know us regular folk to side with the workers, so to speak, um, over the management or the ownership, but you know. For me personally, I'm concerned about the people that work in the front offices, the staffers, you know, all these people who are, you know, they work for all these teams that they're probably a threat of, uh, of being furloughed at some point. If this yeah. were to go into the season, if it were starting to affect regular season revenues, they're but not making I'm glad- know, an average of whatever. Luke, I'm glad you brought that up. My friend, she works for uh, a company, uh, a a nonprofit that that helps disadvantaged kids. And during COVID, a lot of the kids that worked at the uh, concession stands didn't have jobs that year. And so they're just, you know, again, they're, you know, at, at risk and they're sitting idle and they don't have anything to do. And yeah, those are the kinds of people that get hurt uh, in these kinds of strikes. Those, you know, the, the, the beer man, the, the, you know, the lady selling the, uh, you know, uh, programs and stuff like that. Those, those are people that, you know, yeah. get squished. Or even just the full-time people like in the, like the, the season ticket or the ticket sales managers, yeah. the, the marketing people, yeah, marketing. you know, all these people are at risk people. of, uh, you know, th- th- this is their career, you yep. know, but there's nobody fighting for them. They're, 
they're making you know, they're 60. still working hopefully and uh, yeah and they're, they're making not, uh, you know that's to me that's a a, a big concern uh, yeah they're know. making like 50 or 60 you know just barely able to afford their house and here's the millionaires and billionaires yelling at each other yeah arguing with each other and they're fighting <laughs> you know, they're they're the, to pay the, the price for zero. yeah <laughs> um yeah you know there's some there's some good good points there um i read um regarding the revenue sharing there's a great article i think it was ken rosenthal on the athletic uh wrote about some of the some of the key points and the revenue sharing is is one of the ones that he brought up and he thinks that uh part of the sticking issue is right now the teams aren't on any any, any obligation or they're on the, the the money that they receive from uh, revenue sharing has to be spent on like i forget the exact terminology but it can be used in any way they really want as long as it's they can justify it as a business expense regarding the team and so he suggested maybe some strength some stronger rules regarding okay it has to be spent on the on the major league product and it has to be spent on potentially you know improving the team on the field or on the facilities or you know whatever but for the major league product because i guess some teams have been spending it on you know minor league teams or or you know bonuses to you know the team president or you know whatever pittsburgh um, pittsburgh well yeah <laughs> I, I i i always bring up pittsburgh i feel bad ragging on them but they're the ones who are the most guilty regularly over the past decade uh, who just you know been receiving money and then tearing down their pro the you know tearing down and 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 rebuilding their team again and again and again and again and again and not getting anywhere, and I feel bad for the people of Pittsburgh, you know. Yeah, and um, I wonder if that stadium was publicly funded. Probably was. Yeah, beautiful it's a beautiful stadium. ballpark. Yeah, I don't know if it was or not. I don't know the history of it, but it's such a. Be- I haven't been to it, but I really want to go to it. But it's- same here. Uh, it's uh i wonder if it's been publicly funded uh, even if even if it wasn't you know that there were tax breaks and oh yeah oh sure and sure. you know official so, <clears throat> regarding the issues of baseball um actually i wanted to bring a, a, an idea that was thrown at us last week by danny o'neill uh and that is relegation as a potential uh as a potential way to encourage uh, competitiveness encourage the lower teams to compete as as a way to uh, you know strengthen the competition and the parity and so forth and and follow the you know like the European soccer model where say we set up that maybe the top twenty teams uh, have a have a the major leagues and then there's a lower league of the ten, of the other ten. And so the bottom two or one of the major league fall to the lower league where the revenues and the TV money isn't as much. And the top one who wins the, the league down below would be promoted. And the idea there, the more I thought about it, the more I, 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 I kind of see the different angles as far as promoting, uh, you know, competition because a trade deadline, if you're on the edge of relegation, you don't want to be relegated down to a lower, you know, a lower league. You don't want to look bad to your, your team, your, uh, your, your, your city. So you're going to make some moves to, to at least make sure you clear the hump. Uh, and then at the, you know, in the lower league, you're going to, you're going to definitely be fighting like heck to, to be in that top group that goes up back up. You don't want to be down below where the, your revenues are, are choked out. Um, 
Do you think anything like that? I mean, obviously, I don't think that would ever happen. But what do you think about an idea like that? I heard that I listened to the podcast and with Danny and and I, I I just don't I don't think it's a doable plan. You know, I mean, you already have probably well, off the top of my head, you probably have eight or so teams that are, you know, like let's say last year weren't really trying to the ownership wasn't investing and putting the effort forth to win. So you already sort of have that. Um, And, and I think, you know, baseball has its challenges uh, drawing an audience anyway. And if you're going to tell eight to 10 cities that their team really doesn't matter, um, what's that going to do to attendance and, you know, why, why pay money to go watch these guys? Right. Makes sense. Right. Uh, Luke- I mean, why, why go watch them? Yeah. Why watch them on television? And, you know, that matters. The gate revenues and, and um, TV revenues and many of these teams own these, uh, they own their RSN. And, you know, so I, no, I, I mean, I think there's just, look, there's always going to be teams that are not going to be good. There always have been teams that not have not been good. That's not really the, the issue here. I think for the players and for the business of itself is just, just there's a, the, the, uh, the union has poorly negotiated the last two, or they've made mistakes. I should say something poorly. That's kind of a rough uh, judgment, but they, they haven't uh, done as well in the last two CBAs as maybe they have in the past. And there's, I think there's some, you know, and that's on them. You know, they, they accepted the deal, you know, and if they're, if they're, their lawyers and their negotiators didn't uh, sort of uh, model out all the potential ways it could bite them, that's on them. That's not the owners. I mean, if you, if you, if you set up rules and somebody finds a way to stay within the rules and, and, and yes, it's uh, maybe they weren't doing it in good faith. uh, Some of the things the owners have done. That's look, that's why you have rules. That's why you have laws, right? It's like, it's so if you don't follow them, there's a, there's a consequence. And if you don't write the law or write the rule accordingly or properly, this, that's what happens. So I think the the idea here is, you know, like, how do you, how do you make you know, uh, August, September baseball interesting for some of these out of contention teams uh, relegation being one of those. Um, is it other things like uh, universal DH or, um, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, you forget the whole draft order system. Um, is there, is there a way that you can think of? Lottery. Luke, to, yeah. Yeah. Is there any way Luke that you can think of to uh, maybe expand the playoffs? I don't know. Well, I think you'll see an expanded playoffs. I think that's always, uh, you know, postseason play and, and the, uh, the gaming now that goes with baseball, with sports in general, and the uh, the postseason would certainly uh, be incentives for teams, uh, for fan bases to stay engaged. Um, By gaming, do you mean do you mean like uh, betting? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's already going on, but the fact that there's more teams engaged and more teams with a chance at the end that just it, you know people like winning, you know fa- people. You know, people are fans of winning. They're not, you know, they're fans of teams, but they're fans of winning more than they are of, uh, 
of, of the team itself. I mean, it's sort of on display right now with the local football team. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, so that was a dig. Really, that no, was a dig right there. No, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, as far as the DH, yeah, they, that should already have happened. But again, the owners try to use that as a negotiating uh, piece to get expanded playoffs and, you know, that, you know, it's, it, if it makes the game better, why is it on the, if it literally makes the product on the field better, why is that even up for negotiation? Just yeah, you know, it should agree. be a, just do it. Not a, Hey, let's, let's, you know, a, a bargaining chip. And you know, what, that's what the owners have made it. So that's, that, that leads me to my next question was, I, I was going to ask you how you feel about all these rule changes that, that uh, Rob Manfred has been pushing in. Which ones, Matt? Potentially, potentially the DH change is okay. the biggest one. But like the, you know, they're talking about messing with the mound height or distance from. They're talking about uh, the robot empires. They're talking about uh, you know these. The, oh yeah, the, the guy on second in extra innings. Um, <laughs> all these, all these, these changes that they're constantly he's trying to tweak with the game. How do you feel about them? I'm open to, to uh, about anything as far as experimenting with it in the minors and then sort of coming to a conclusion on whether it works. You know, I, you know, the, the thing on the second base thing doesn't bother me at all. You know, personally, you know, I, at just myself, mm-hmm. I get up early in the morning. So I'm more than happy <laughs> when the game ends in nine innings. And if it's going to go to extra innings, I'd like it to end really fast. I'm on, a, I'm on an island by myself. I would be fine with ties in baseball. I get killed on Twitter when I, I mention it about <laughs> once or twice a year and I get killed because, you know, I don't care. Just you know, why, 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 why watch both teams uh, gut their bullpens so that, um, you know, a couple thousand fans in the stands will watch the conclusion at midnight, you know, <laughs> in the 18th inning. I don't, I just don't. Like, you know, I just don't see that. But as far as like the mound stuff and all that, I mean, I'm okay with the thought of changing things, but I'm a believer in doing it incrementally. You know, you know, should they change the mound height? I don't know. Smarter people can decide whether that makes sense, but don't like change that. Like I've heard things about moving that mound back. I've heard, you know, moving the mound, lowering the mound, um, a pitch clock. I, I do believe a pitch clock is a good idea. It's weird though, because that, all it's really, what's that, that? E- that exists right now and they don't use it. That's correct. They do use it in the minors and it seems to help. Yeah. Um, but you know, it would, that, that's one of those things that the commissioner can do it as long as he gives the players a, a I think it's a, a one year notice that he's going to do it. Uh, but you know, I'm open to try anything as far as the umpires. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to sound, I'm not ageist or anything, but there's a point where in, in your life, and I know I'm at that point where, <laughs> you know, you just don't see as well, yeah. you know? And yeah. so like, you know, like I don't like to drive at night. So if I was an umpire, you know, how am I supposed to stand behind the plate and be able to see um, a fastball uh, as well as I did, 20 years earlier like it and another thing is that they're behind the home plate like i can see you know you know pitch framing by the catcher is such a big thing but it's really hard it's hard to envision how they actually see where the the ball is most of the time and you, i think that's why you see these big misses i mean personally you know as growing up as a kid the umpire used to stand behind the pitcher's mound 
I mean, maybe that's what we should be doing. I think back in the day, that's what they did. Stand behind the pitcher's mound, but um, that probably won't happen either. But So we, uh, talk, we talked to a pitcher, or I'm sorry, an umpire, uh, umpire trainer, actually, Brian Herzog, former MLB mm-hmm. ump, and he, he was – he didn't seem that against it because he he thinks there's an inevitability to the robot umpires. Um, like there'd still be a human back there with an earpiece that would get like, you know, strike ball. Like, hey, Siri, was that a strike? That kind of thing. You're still going to, yeah, you're still going to need umpires an on the field anyway for all the plays and all the other rules and the infield fly rule and the, you know, box and yeah, all Yeah, there's plenty of, of other, other things stuff. for them to botch. Yeah, there's there's plenty of other things for them to do. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it. I, I think what we'd all like is consistency, and you know, part of That's it is goal, really. that the fact that you know we have these cool um, boxes up on our television screen or our computer screen, and we can see where the strike zone is. Where thirty years ago, if you watched the game, you might think that wasn't a strike but you didn't really know it's a strike. Yeah. But when you can look at a graphic after the game and see how many pitches the umpire actually missed, that's frustrating. See you know, just how bad from, Angel Hernandez really is. Right. Yes, absolutely. But you could probably <laughs> go back 30 years and find umpires that were just as bad Oh yeah, or worse, yeah. but you didn't know it. You just thought it. And so it wasn't that big a deal, but now we know, we know what is, you know, what, how, um, how uh, how off they are, and it is frustrating. It's usually one pitch, or you know, these pitches don't often change the the outcome of a game. But it's just frustrating because you'd like to see the game played as best as possible by the players and regulated by the officials as best as possible. Either of you guys ever re- read uh, Derwood Merrill's book? Uh, you're out and you're ugly too. No, no. I can't say that I uh, have. He, he had a little thing in there where he had a big problem with Paul O'Neill from the Yankees and he would just, a lot of people did. He would just call strike. He'd even tell Paul O'Neill, I'm going to call strike. <laughs> 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 just cause O'Neill was such a jerk. He was, he was. <laughs> yeah. My mom, my mom was, she was the nicest person in the world. She's a big Met fan. And, uh, you know, we would watch the Yankees too. And, uh, but she always, she could never, she always said that Paul O'Neill was rude. That's how she put it. Because he would bash, you know, the water cooler and he would slam his bat and all his temper tantrum stuff. She, she just could not stand that. She said, <laughs> he's rude. <laughs> all right. So <clears throat> you've given us your thoughts on, on Mr. Story. You've given us a story on Mr. Story. Oh, yeah, that, that works. <laughs> I like how that goes. Um, what do you feel the Mariners are missing the most next? What, what should they, who, what position should be their target? Should it be an infielder, another big bat in an infield? Should it be another starter pitching wise? Should it be a catcher? And to add on, let, let me, let me mark? add on to that too. If you got any juicy names for us too. Yeah. Um, Just curious what your thoughts uh, are. Well, number one is they need to bat maybe two. Okay. Uh, you know, when you look at look at the that. roster, you know, certainly somebody in the infield. Um, they, you know, and, and you know, like I said, Trevor Story is an interesting name. So is Chris Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. In the outfield, Michael Conforto, local guy. Um, I think he's a candidate for a shorter deal. I think he would like to prove himself. You know, coming off a so-so year. Yeah, he screwed himself, unfortunately. Yeah. 
he bet on a one-year deal on him on, on doing doing well like uh my marcus uh simon 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 did? simeon yeah simeon, simeon. Uh, yeah. did and he it went it went in poorly for him very poorly yeah, but it, those are guys, you know, when you look at the roster, they have, uh, you know, certainly picked up Robbie Ray. Uh, they start, certainly need another starter to start to begin the season. Um, I don't think they want to start with Justin Dunn or um, Justice Sheffield as as the written in number name. That doesn't not, uh, written in name. That doesn't mean they won't be the, make starts for the Mariners. It means they're not in the starting opening day starting rotation. Yeah. Um, certainly one of the young guys could fill that spot, but I think they'd prefer to have another veteran in there to, uh, start the season and then bring in the young guys as your depth. You're going to need them. Like we, t- we just finished oh, yeah. talking about the Mets and the Dodgers. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's not going to perform. Think about this. Let's just say, uh, you know, you get these young starters, that were double A, right? They're all ready to go now in our minds and probably the Mariners' minds for the most part. You had Matt Brash, who they did bring up but they didn't use. And then you had George Kirby, Emerson Hancock is on the way, um, Levi Stout, you know, these sort of names. As the season progresses, they're ready this year. Last year, they weren't. But let's just yeah. say uh, they were. So maybe instead of uh, throwing – Tyler Anderson on really short rest in September, a guy like Matt Brash or uh, George Kirby, whomever, they get thrust in there. When you say Kikuchi, you know, goes down down the tubes in in August, and you need a starter to you know to to, to uh, take some starts. There's you get one of those guys. So you have those guys, but I don't think you want to start the season with those guys, probably they're looking at some uh, workload limits as the season goes on. Anyway, if you yeah. keep them in the minors a little bit longer, you can manage that sort of stuff. So for me, you need to start with the bats because those aren't really available in a system that are readily available other than maybe, uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez might be on the cusp of being ready, but he could struggle early on too, just like uh, Kelnick has so far. Um, but yeah, I would, to me, it's you start with the bats, get another arm. The bullpen looks pretty good. As far as catcher, pretty sure they're going to go with uh, with Tom Murphy and Cal Raleigh, and they're going to share the workload. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't much out there in the market anyway, and what there is, you're going to overpay to get. Yeah. So I don't I don't see them doing anything there. Well, I think well, Kansas Cal just needs a, needs a chance to settle in too. He he you know he. Well, I think gonna, he had a transition. He's got to give, got to give him time. Only like 150 at bats or something well, like that. Well, I think the yeah. new, the new dynamic of a catcher is Zanino. Like maybe we gave up on him too early is look for the defensive guy and to, to hell with his offense. Unless you're Kansas city, like they well, have an actual catcher. Well, but, Cal can do both. He just, <laughs> no, he can't. Time he is not proven. It. Matt, we have a guest and we're not going to get into this, but I am going to destroy you on the next show. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't think he's capable. Um, so you mentioned, okay. So you anyway. mentioned adding another starter and I completely agree. Add a veteran guy and, and don't, yeah. Dunn and Dunn and Sheffield. Maybe they'll do a spot start or fill in for someone who's injured down the road, but maybe you have them in the bullpen to start as penciled in. And like you said, um, you know, the, the, the rookies, the, the minors guys that, that at some point they might help in a limited fashion in a spot start and a bullpen role and a, 
you know, who knows, maybe they come in and they finish the season in the rotation, whatever. Um, I think that's the right way to go. You, you didn't mention the best pitcher, my best buddy, Brandon Williamson, but you know, oh, that's okay. yeah, he absolutely. He's definitely one of those um, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I'm curious as to who you're thinking, uh, if you have any names in mind off the top of your head for that, for that veteran addition. Uh, um, Tyler Anderson's a guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, he did. So, he did great for us. Yeah. So bring him back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's. That's probably at his best right there. But um, I think maybe that's all you need to start the season with. You know, a good, uh, a good, you know, workhorse. Just yeah. I mean, you know, because you have. I mean, you don't really only need to be like a number four in the rotation, basically, or number five, five and yeah. and so you you go for an innings eater, you know, reliable. Tyler Anderson's a good choice, right? Um, I don't know if we've talked to them, talked to him yet. I don't know if anyone's talked to him yet. Free agency I don't know. was kind of crazy there for like a week, and then we hit the lockout. Right. <clears throat> um, Can I go back so, one subject? Go for it. Uh, because before you made me angry, and and I wanted to jump through this screen and strangle you, Matt. Um, Just because I because I like Cal Rally. Anyway, okay. the point is uh, <laughs> uh, the the. I feel like baseball is willing to accept a defense only catcher and defense only shortstop. Um, I, I feel like that's always been kind of the way. And then somewhere in the nineties that changed, but I feel like it's reverted. And uh, Luke, this kind of goes back to an article you wrote about JP Crawford. Um, like his offense isn't sufficient for uh, correct me if I'm not capturing this correctly, but like his offense isn't sufficient for, for, for considering him as the long-term shortstop and, you know, for the Mariners, the modern day perception. Yeah. I feel like the defense production. is good enough though. Well, it, he is good. I, I'm not against JP Crawford. I, I'm so uh, cautious when I wrote that piece because I've got some criticism over it, but the <laughs> truth is he, you know, he's a very good shortstop, but if you could get Carlos Correa, uh, that's what you do. Okay. That's it. Yeah. He could play second base. Why? Why you guaranteed a guy anything? Why you're trying to win? So JP Crawford should be willing to move to second base if you said we can get Carlos Correa. I mean, you know, like him or not, Alex Rodriguez said, "Hey, I'll go to third base." <laughs> you know, I mean, um, that's what you do. You yeah. know. So you're from the East Coast. Do you feel like uh, we Seattle fans sometimes fall in love with players? Yes. Damn, damn the stats. <laughs> yes. Like, okay. All right. Yes. All right. I didn't even have to build that one up. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Versus the East coast where they, uh, there's a love, there's more of a love hate relationship instead. Yeah. I mean, look, um, they, that, I mean, I understand it's, it's a great, uh, characteristic of the, of the, uh, the fan base, but, uh, like yeah, you fall in play, fall in love with players way too soon. I mean, he's a great, he's a fun player, and it was great that he got emotional on the final day of the season. But if you can get a player that's a, you know, a, one of the best in the league, then that's what you go do. That's it. That's it. I well, I I'm I kind of agree in that, you know, you you don't you try to improve the team no matter what, and I, I'm not really big on marrying a guy to a position and holding them, you know, you have to, you have to be in this position and, and you're going to stay there and that kind of thing. I like, I like the idea of flexibility. 
overall. Right. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I understand players get in, get in a, in a role and they want to stay in the role. They, you know, change as a rule in life sucks, but, but right. <laughs> that's why everyone resists it. But, you know, it, it, it's a team. It's a team effort. It's not all about you. You got to play where the team needs you. And the goal is the World Series for everyone. And if if you moving to second, I think you're right. If you move to second because Carlos Carrera comes in, move to second. I mean, you know. Yeah, and, and he 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 may have done that. I think I I do believe that one of the reasons, maybe the primary reason that Depoto came out so strongly is that management has a lot of. Uh, work to do to um, rebuild their image, rebuild their image, their trust yeah. with, uh, with the players, with, the with the players. And so if and you come fans. out and say, Hey, he's our guy, no matter what, that probably resonates with the players. Yeah. And so I get that, but the player probably um, at some point should say, yeah, I get that, but I'm willing to move. If you, if you can get, uh, I don't know, Carlos Correa, or uh, somebody like that. Uh, you know, if it'll help us win the World Series, that's what I'm willing to do anyway. Luke, you brought up a good point. There was there was uh, rumors that there was a near mutiny after the Graveman trade uh, in the clubhouse. And uh, so they turned it around that, you know, uh, all congrats uh, to, I guess, Scott Service in this case. Do you think Scott Service was a legitimate uh, manager of the year uh, uh, candidate and should he have won it? Uh, well, I'm not a big fan of the award, but I do think he deserved recognition for what he did. Uh, I don't have a problem with Kevin Cash winning it. Um, I think I would have had some issue with Dusty Baker winning it as much as much as I th- as highly as I think of Dusty Baker. Um, when you look at uh, what Scott Service had to work with, the issues that he had to work with beyond the whole Graveman thing, just the um, the lack of uh, depth. And, and, and let's face it, they didn't have much pop in their, in their lineup. And really, well, you know, when we talked about at least, you know, nerds like, like uh, me and Matt talk about um, <laughs> run differential all season and why, why were they winning uh, uh, one run games? Because of the way Scott Service managed the bullpen, the way he, he pulled the strings. I mean, most of the times he did, he got it right. And because of that, um, you know, they were able to win more games than anybody anticipated. Can they repeat that? Oh, probably not. What, what, do but, you think, what do you think Service did with the bullpen? Like, I, I don't think I can recognize what he did uh, in retrospect. Is there something you can point to that? Well, I would say the fact that they got away from having a full-time closure, that, that he would go to, the, to whatever, whoever was the best arm in, for the situation, um, you know, look, if you're, let's put it this way, you know, for the casual fan, uh, you know, you kind of, you, you think is it the classic closures, the guy that comes in and gets the last three outs, three outs in the, in the ninth inning. Okay. But what if the best three hitters are coming up in the eighth inning? Why would you save that guy for the eight, for the ninth? Why not, you know, why not bring him in? Uh, in the eighth or my, why not bring them in the seventh? If, if, the, if, if uh, you're in a real jam and the game is on the line, yeah, you know, uh, Cleveland, so Cleveland I think did. that mentality, and I don't know that it's all Scott service, that it's probably a, a collaborative effort between the manager, 
and the front office and the analytics crew and his staff. Um, but that is to me really a big deal. And, and knowing who, who to turn to when, the, when the pull them and all that, um, you know, you got to give that credit to the manager because if it goes wrong, it's his fault too. That, 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 and that's what Cleveland did about two, three years ago, right? With Andrew, oh God, I forgot his name. Andrew, what's yeah. his face? Matt? Andrew Miller. Ma- Andrew Miller, thank you. And then the uh, Nasty Boys back in the yeah. uh, back in the day, yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, the, the, the whole save, you know, not to get into stats and everything, but the save itself, that stat is sort of useless to me. I, it's oh, yeah. like, yeah, you know, if you have 50 of them, you're probably pretty good, you know, but just because you got the save tonight doesn't mean you did a great job. I mean, you've seen many relievers come in and, and create a jam and get out of it. And they didn't really pitch well, but they get credit for it because they didn't give up a run, you know, or they didn't give up two runs. Like there's a three run lead. They come in, they give up a run or so. And then like, Oh, they got a save. Good job. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know if that's really a good job. Uh, yeah. The save, the save is a conspiracy by big confectionery. Uh, remember the Rolades man of the year? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there big, you go. Big yeah, candy. Yeah. Big candy's behind that stat. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Forgot all about that. That's, that's true. That's probably where it all came oh, from. Man. Um, okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to touch on, well, we, you know, with Seattle sports union, we, we have a special deal with the, and a special place in our hearts for the Arid Aqua Sox. Um, we provide content for them and we go and we, we watch pretty much every home game. Uh, who do you think we could we do you, do you have any any insight at all you know hanging around with Jason I know you said that minors aren't necessarily your strong point but I'm sure there's some there's some guys there that you might think are are, are worth keeping an eye out for maybe in the next year or so or um or maybe you can offer some thoughts on uh, those pitchers that you 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 ran down the list on earlier Brandon Williams, Brash, yeah, Hancock. Yeah, I forgot Brandon Williamson, so I'm I'm in the penalty box. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, he he's my best friend. He just doesn't know it. Okay. I think just to no. just to go on <laughs> to that. Also, I, I, I'm curious, like if there's one or two uh, that you're suspicious of, and then maybe yeah, some that you think are gonna uh, make it. I don't know that I have any that I'm suspicious of. I, I would say that uh, it, you know it seems that Matt Brash is the is the first guy to come up or will come up because well he's the guy they called up in September. Um, you know it seems that, you know uh, I know ever since uh, George Kirby arrived, which was before Hancock and some of the other guys, uh, Jason is he. I remember Jason going to Everett and watching Kirby and was like instantly impressed and thought this is this dude is is the real deal mm-hmm. um so i'm not trying to put words in jason's mouth but i think he's quietly that guy that might uh emerge on the scene so he's the name that a lot of people say but nobody knows what he looks like honestly unless you've seen him you know i, I you know i mean if you haven't seen a player pitch, it's just a name, but it's the name everybody repeats because they keep hearing it mm-hmm. on podcasts or on the radio or they read it at Prospect Insider or sites like that. But yeah, I, I, Kirby's one guy, Brash, uh, any of these, these guys, I don't know if there's anyone in particular, but I am excited to start seeing these guys show up. I mean, reality is some of them are not going to work out, unfortunately. And that's kind of how it goes. Well, you know, the, the Mariners had a top, a big three in the, uh, you know, when they had uh, 
um, Holson, Taiwan, Taiwan. And, and Holson and, and uh, Paxton. James Paxton. And, you know, that didn't go well. The Mets had a big three in uh, the nineties and that didn't really work out for them either. And so, uh, you know, they had Jason Isringhausen and Bill Pulsizer and, um, um, God, I forget the guy's other name was Will Paul Wilson, I think was the third guys, and they were going to be it. And Isringhausen's the, the only guy. The last really big three that worked was Oakland, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So right, it's, it, yeah. So that's just really one of them things that uh, I am looking forward to them. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the young guns, so to speak, I, I'm <laughs> looking forward to seeing those guys start to show up and make an impact. They could be the difference makers in next season, assuming the Mariners pick up some bats. Yeah, it's been something like 18 years since Felix. It's about time somebody pans out. <laughs> We're due. We are I, due. I have to agree on Kirby. He is fun to watch. He he actually let up some walks this last year, which <laughs> I'm sure was traumatizing for him because I remember his senior year in, in college, he had like two walks or something ridiculous like that, and that was it. Um but no, for me, the guy who continuously stood out for was was Williamson. That's why I gave you a hard time because every time that the guys took the mound, it just it blew me away. Um, right, tall lefty, not afraid of anything. Uh, and and when Felix was doing his rehab start, all the bullpen pitchers and all the young pitchers were standing over by the you know far far away, giving Felix his time while he was warming up. Williamson was right up there standing next to Felix and the, and, and the uh, Mariners trainer asking questions, not afraid, didn't not afraid of any situation. So uh, I'm his biggest fan and biggest promoter. And, <laughs> and, and I'm sure Abe is really upset at me right now. No, I, no, that's talk fine. About him. I, I we're due somebody. Like I said, it's been a long time since a pitcher's come through a uh, hack. Anybody <laughs> we need, we, we need some wins. Um, we're coming towards the end of our show. So Luke, I, I need to cap off this show by asking you uh, this Saturday at noon in Philadelphia, I believe army Navy clash showdown tradition. Who wins that game? All I'm going to say is go Navy beat army. I don't know that I feel very confident in Navy winning, but I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to root for the the guys in blue. Right on (laughs) go midshipmen. (laughs) Uh, well, we always end off our show with a, with a shout out. Um, this is our opportunity to, uh, one for you, Luke, to mention uh, Prospect Insider and your blogs and your uh, uh, social. Um, additionally, we want to talk about a person, place, or thing uh, that deserves a shout out and our recognition. And I'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and start off this, this week. And I'll give a shout out to Brian, the soul man, Solak. Who, cannot, who could not be here tonight, but uh, really, really wanted to and reached out to you, Luke, and has reached out to many people like Danny O'Neill uh, to help get them on a show and make them feel welcome and make them uh, 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 make them available to us. And uh, yeah, Matt, your turn. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a shout out to the Bellingham Bells. Uh, once again, um, a great partner of ours. We love to cover them. They're amazing. They always put on a great show. They're opening a brand new team store and office this weekend. They're celebrating. There's a big, big, big deal up there in Bellingham uh, with a big sale at their store, merchandise, ticket packages, everything. Go buy tickets. Go to games. Go, go see them. If you ever get a chance, the Bells put on a hell of a show. It's good fun. 
and you get to see some maybe some some future uh, some future major league players. You don't know. Right on, Luke. Any shout outs for you this week? Well, first, I just want to thank you guys for having me on, uh, which is, it's always fun talking sports, talking baseball. And I appreciate that, you know, reaching out to me. I mean, you've had some esteemed uh, guests here uh, in the last year, you know, Danny O'Neill, Mitch Levy, of course, the one and only Jason A. Churchill, um, <laughs> t- uh, Dave, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Tom Wassel, uh, and Jim, of course, Jim Moore, who I love. So, I appreciate that. Uh, as far as shout outs, first, a shout out to my wife, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, a lot of the ideas I come up for with my posts and, and, and things. And, and we we go for a daily walk when she works from home. And uh, we during that walk, I, I, I bombard her with my ideas and my thoughts. And, and she doesn't really care. <laughs> because she just uh, she loves the, she loves the Mariners. She likes watching the games, but she really doesn't care as long as they win. But she listens, and because of that, I kind of talk out some things. Really, I'm talking to myself, but she's at least nice enough <laughs> not to roll her eyes or tell me to stop talking. So that's a shout. And then, of course, I want to give a shout out to Jason uh, in all seriousness because he sort of helped me get going in this stuff, and he was the uh, you know he's he's been a good. Uh, uh, a mentor and a friend and uh, certainly uh, I don't think I'd be doing um, this still or doing it as well as I'm doing however well that is without his help so shout out to Jason very cool and your site and your uh, social yeah just uh, prospectinsider.com um, we're you know we're continuing to produce content uh, even though there's uh, there's a lockout you know, personally, I'll probably put something out once a week and continue to do that. I think probably the next thing I'm going to do is either talk about someone like Chris Bryant, or maybe I'll talk about the the catchers that since you guys are always so you seem to like to debate that maybe I'll put something <laughs> together to talk about the, the catchers. Right. And um, as far as uh, Twitter, you can find me at Luke underscore Arkins, which is A-R-K-I-N-S. And uh, I, I stay relatively active on there during the season. Uh, I, I push out a lot of stats and stuff like that, and I, I do like engaging with the folks on Twitter, as long as they're uh, they're they're nice and respectful, and uh, I always try to answer questions. So not Brian Solak then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I answer Brian too. We no, he, he's he's a good guy. He's very yes, fun. he is. He is. Ah. He seems like a, I have never met him, but he seems like a great guy. Matt, and right you... now, real quick before we end, I want to I want to do the the, uh, the obligatory Solak test. Uh, the code word is banana. We have to test him to see if he if he actually listens to the podcast. Right, if he listens on. to the very end. Yes. <laughs> well, well, thank you for joining us this week, everybody. Uh, Luke Arkins <laughs> from Prospect Insider. Your host was Matt Page. My and on and myself, Abraham Deweese. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Check us out at SeattleSportsUnion.com. Check out our podcast on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. We'll see you guys next time.